the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. I'm joined by Senator Marco Rubio of Florida. Good morning, Senator. Great to have you with me, and congratulations on writing the introduction to the heart of a great nation, timeless wisdom from Ronald Reagan. Uh, thank you for having me on. I know it's been a good year of the Browns for you. It's a start. It's a great start, 3-1. and one. I, I can't say that I'm optimistic about your Dolphins, but I, I certainly believe that, yes, it's the best year in, since they returned well, to Cleveland well, we in 99. Yeah, the Dolphins are, the young, yeah, are on a different trajectory. And the Browns are a couple years ahead of us on the rebuild. But they look good. I'm happy to see that for them. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Senator, before I turn to the book, the introduction specifically, I want to ask you a couple of current event questions. Number one, there's a new CNN poll out today that says President Trump is behind Joe Biden by 16 points. It's being reported as likely voters. I, I, I think that's absurd. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, look, I don't, and the body language of the campaign certainly aren't that. There, no one's going to win this by 16 points. I mean, we're, we're not going to have an election in America for president in the next, and probably the rest of my lifetime that, that's going to end up that way. But in the end, these, these polls are largely you know, irrelevant. They don't really matter. Um, they're predictive in nature. And if you want to believe it, believe it. But we're not going to change what we're doing on our end. And um, you know, it's just as simple as that. So um, in, in the end, I mean, polls, not, this is not that whoever wins the most polls wins the presidency. It doesn't work that way. So let them believe whatever they want. Now, Senator, the other thing I want to talk about is Amy Coney Barrett. I have a column in the Washington Post this morning that Mitch McConnell is the indispensable man because of the great quartet, holding open the Scalia seat, breaking the filibuster on Neil Gorsuch, standing by Brett Kavanaugh, and assuring a vote for Amy Coney Barrett. I think that saves the United States Constitution, along with the 53 appeals court judges, for the next generation of law. What do you make of my premise? No, I think it's right. I mean, look, uh, the bottom line is the courts are incredibly important. And here's the thing. Mitch McConnell has done what Chuck Schumer would do if he was the, with the majority leader. He would do all those tactics. The only difference between us doing it and them doing it is you wouldn't have three or four major networks going crazy as if you're somehow violating the law or doing something. There's no constitutional or legal question here, none, zero, zip. But they pretend like there is. And, and uh, that's the only difference, I mean, that, to be honest with you. And, and in the end, um, you know, if Amy Comey Barrett was a, a liberal and a, uh, a liberal in people's minds and on the media's minds, Right now, I mean, she would be on the cover of Vogue. Uh, they'd already been making a movie about her. You know, there all kinds of stuff would be going on about how great she is and so forth. But, look, it is what it is. We gotta, we're going to do what we know is right. We know that there are millions of people in this country that feel the same way and don't care about what other people are saying. She's highly qualified. No one disputes that. She'll have her hearing. We'll see how that goes. And then, obviously, you know, there'll be a vote on the floor. And assuming everything is the way I expect it to be with her, given what I know about her and have known about her for the better part of three years, I anticipate that she is going to be a confirmed and in the Senate and then the uh, president will appoint her and, and she'll take her seat on the bench. And the buzz among the conference, as you talk to your colleagues, will that happen before the election? 
Well, look, the plan is to have the hearing next week in judiciary, and then a vote the following week, and then in the committee, and then and then obviously the, a week after that, that the Senate would come in and, and confirm it. And that's the plan. Obviously, you know, um, things can change, and because you just don't know what the next few weeks will bring. But that's the plan. And whether it's before or shortly after, I anticipate it will be before. Now, you have a lot of colleagues who are on the ballot. You are not yourself running. Susan Collins in Maine, who I think may have the uh, greatest influence of the Senate of anybody and certainly a lot of courage. David Perdue in Georgia, Tom Tillis in North Carolina, Cory Gardner in Colorado, Martha McSally in Arizona, Joni Ernst in Iowa, and of course, Steve Daines in Montana. How do you feel about holding the Senate right now? Well, it's going to be a battle. Each state has got its own different dynamic, you know, and uh, in Georgia, we have two Senate races, including Kelly Loeffler, who's going to end up, you know, in a, in a sort of scrambled runoff in January. So, that one really got a different structure to it. But these are all great candidates. Uh, they're the only people on the planet that, that have a chance of winning as a Republican. They're all great senators. I mean, really, it's one of these weird things where these, all these really good senators happen to be on the ballot in a contentious uh, year. They're being outraised, not even though they're raising more than Republicans ever have. You know, the left has mobilized these uh, 5 10 15 $20 checks that are not coming from, from the center. I mean, they're coming from radical left-of-center groups who have an agenda that they think they can carry out. So, um, but I, I think they're all working very hard. And I, I feel you know, cautiously optimistic about our chance to win each one because each one of these races has its unique dynamics. And we've got great candidates and every single one of them with a great story to tell about what they've done in their time in the Senate. In this new book, The Heart of a Great Nation, which is the quotes and the essays and the quips of Ronald Reagan, you write in the foreword, I think Reagan would join me, Marco Rubio, in believing that the biggest threat to America's values today is our national divisiveness. Senator, I have never seen anything like this weekend. And yesterday when the president returned to the White House, if I could play for you, just a couple of quick quick clips. Cut number nine, Aaron Burnett on CNN. So let me start with you, Dr. Reiner. What, What we're seeing here really looks like, it's like something out of North Korea. The dear leader comes out, right, with the, with, with the, the, the magnificent helicopter entrance and, and up the stairs and, and off goes the mask as he pauses. Then you know. I want to go to number 10, Jim Acosta at CNN. Oh, that's right, Wolf. They'll try to ask him some questions as he comes into the White House. But keep in mind, this is not just the president returning to the White House. This may be patient zero. Uh, this is the virus coming back to the White House. And I will tell you, Wolf, having been here. Now I want to go to cut number 11, Joy Reid on MSNBC. This is a, a Mussolini moment. Uh, Donald right. Trump. Now I want to go to cut number 12, Chris Cuomo on CNN. He didn't just walk into the White House one time with no mask tonight. He had his video crew capture that stupid scene again so he could put out propaganda fronting a lie to his people once again, just like don't worry about the mask. Now he says, don't worry about COVID. Don't let it control your life. Just propaganda. That's all it is. I know this sound to it. I'm not going to play it for you. Why should I? How much bull do you need in your life? All right, I'm going to play one more. Cut number 13, Don Lemon on CNN. I don't want to get in trouble, but I'm just, I have no Too other late. way. I got to be honest. It, it was surprising to me that on, when this happened that a lot of people said, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe he has COVID. I think he's faking it. I think he's going to do whatever he can to try to win the presidency. I am, you know, I, I, I'm not that cynical. I'm a cynic, but I'm not that cynical. 
There's also no proof of him faking it, and the opposite right. seems to have the preponderance no of the evidence. Of, there's no proof of any of it because he won't let the doctors give the so information. So, Marco Rubio, that, that's a montage of clips, but it's representative of the weekend. Yeah, what? Look, it speaks ahead. for itself, okay? I mean, people, to the extent they're watching, at this point, the country's become so segmented that the only people watching that are, are people that agree with them. I mean, that's just a fact. And, uh, and the other thing they don't tell you, it's a lot of it's show business. I mean, this is about grading. Simple as that. And, and these networks have figured out that, you know, you become crazy in one direction and you're going to you're going to have an audience and you can charge advertisers for it. I mean, it's and then but but it's doing great damage to journalism. I mean, what happens now is it doesn't matter what these networks report on anything. Half the people won't believe them because they think they're liars and they won't listen to them. So it leaves us vulnerable and ultimately leads to divisiveness. Uh, there's no news reporting really anymore. I mean, there is, I guess, but no one's really putting it out there. It's not getting all the attention. It's all about narratives. You establish a narrative. This is what I want the narrative to be. And then you collect facts that support your narrative. You ignore the ones that don't. And that's what you promote. And it leads to ratings. And you charge people for advertising. That's what all this is. It's show business. That's, that's what cable news has turned into. At the same time in the introduction to the heart of a great nation, you tell people that Ronald Reagan would be shocked that we have become reliant on upon our peer competitor, China, for things like pharmaceuticals. When the president was the president, and I worked for him in the White House in 1985 and 86, it was about the evil empire and leaving the Soviet Union on the ash heap of history and the, uh, the need to tear down that wall. I, I believe President Trump, Secretary Pompeo, the national security team has challenged China, but I don't know that the American people are as persuaded of China being the same as the old USSR as they need to be. Well, it's different. Obviously, that was ideological. The Chinese is more geopolitical. I mean, they, they want to become the dominant nation on Earth and do it at our expense. But it's hurting us in the short term, millions of American jobs. I mean, we have a rust belt in this country because of China and the decisions that were made on our end. And, and I think this is the first administration that has sort of dealt with it directly. There's a lot of work that remains to be done. I can assure you if Joe Biden becomes president, it won't get done. It just won't happen. And um, so I actually think that there's tremendous support in the American, among Americans across the political spectrum uh, for doing something about China. Obviously, we've got to be strategic about it and have a long-term plan to deal with it. But, but, um, but it's going to take a lot of work. But ultimately, look, if Donald Trump is for it, these people are going to be against it. I don't care what it is. It could be the gravest threat in the world. The minute he says he's going to do something, they're going to be, they're going to be the opposite. And, last, um, last 30 seconds, Senator. Is there a lane for someone as optimistic and sunny as Ronald Reagan in 2024? Yeah, but, and, but remember, you know, I mean, Ronald Reagan uh, got there. He was governor. I mean, he was not, he didn't show up overnight. I mean, it, it, the time had to come to him, you know, and that, that Ronald Reagan was the perfect president for that moment in our history. It wasn't 1976. It wasn't 1972. It had to be 1980. And thank God for that. Uh, Senator Marco Rubio, good to speak with you. The new book is entitled... The Heart of a Great Nation. Timeless wisdom from Ronald Reagan with a foreword by Senator Rubio. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. This is Albert Mower for townhall.com. So what's really up when you hear controversy over how judges are to apply the Constitution of the United States? 
Actually, more than most citizens understand. Here is the plain and simple issue at stake. In the early 20th century, liberal justices on the Supreme Court began to argue for what they called a living constitution. They meant that the constitution had to be understood as a document that judges must make relevant for their own times. This is how they came up with a supposedly constitutional right to abortion, for example. Conservative justices are originalists, meaning they read the Constitution as it was written, in its original meaning. If the judges get to make up new meanings of the Constitution and essentially legislate, we are ruled by judges, not by law. All that is at stake in the fight for the Supreme Court, and you can see why it is so important. I'm Albert Moeller. The Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. For those considering careers in politics and policy.